Hello everyone, Mike the DM here, and I am talking to you from the future. Almost two years into the future from when this was recorded, in fact. When we started the Relic of the Past podcast, we started with a shoestring budget and an awful lot of hope, and learned a lot of lessons along the way. One of the big improvements we made in February of 2019 was a whole new professional recording setup. And while there's an awful lot of fun and exciting things that go on in the next 100 episodes, if you find the audio distracting, or maybe you'd just like to jump ahead and get caught up quickly, the February 3rd, 2019 episode is entitled, The Story Up Till Now. And as a recap of the first 100 episodes, if you want to, you can jump right in there and join in the fun and enjoy the extended sound quality. If you'd like to hear all the fun adventures that we had up to then, feel free to continue listening, even though we try to do it with less than optimal equipment. I grunt, and in my mind I curse my master. Dramatis persona. Okay. So, Adri, you've been summoned to uh, one of the chambers in the monastery by one of the senior monks. And when you enter the room, you're taken aback and more than a little bit alarmed. Sitting across from you at a table is an elf, full-fledged elf. And uh, you're more than a bit uh, apprehensive because, of course, you know, you're not expecting to see an elf, and you do not know what one's doing here. In addition, um, the, uh, it's clear that he's not a member of the monastery. He's wearing the monk's robes, but uh, he doesn't move with their fluid grace. And instead of carrying one of the uh, human-made short swords that you've been practicing with, he has an elvish blade, a long sword, on his waist. Adrian, he says, have a seat, and he indicates the chair opposite the him at the table. I sit down, my first thought being that he somehow knows of my elvish heritage and is looking to return me. He says, Adrian, we know of your secret. Oh, don't worry. We don't plan on telling anybody. But uh, in exchange for our silence, we would like you to uh, perform a task for us. Who's we? Ah, the Elvish people. Um, you know the history of this world. The history of the elves entering the uh, land of Far here. And uh, you know the history of our exit from the world. So uh, you also know that uh, some... Magic has, has stayed here in the world even after the elves are, uh, have left it. And this magic has been corrupted. Corrupted by the humans, corrupted by the other races of this world. And uh, some great evil has been found. We would like you to go and make sure that it's taken care of. Why me? Oh, well, because of your heritage. We figured that should give you more than enough impetus to go out and do it. 
All right. Where do I begin? Um, obviously, uh, your uh, students here are not allowed to leave of their own volition, but that has been taken care of. A chance for you to uh, leave the monastery has been arranged. At the time, be ready to go, and when you find what is causing the evils in this world, make sure to have that removed. Don't worry, we'll be watching. So, Noan, you have received a summons from your master. And you have found him in the garden, sitting cross-legged right by one of the water features there, kind of serenely meditating. He says, hello, Noan. Please sit down. How is my little tree frog today? I'm well. That is good to hear. We do have... A problem, though. Noan, how long have you been here? Untold years. I've lost track of the time. Yes, it's been some time. And yet, still, you have not taken on our ways. You have not internalized them. Despite all we've done, you still seem to resist. The other night, also, you were in your sleep. Your cellmates... Heard you uh, speaking in your demon speech again. Do you know what the trouble is, Noan? The trouble is you still don't know yourself. You cannot internalize our ways until you know yourself. So I am going to send you out. I'm going to send you on walkabout. You must wander these lands until you meet yourself. And then you must sit down and have a good long talk with yourself. There's no shame in this. In fact, most of the students here would consider this to be a great honor to go up out and about and learn about themselves. I would recommend, however, that you take somebody with you that you can trust. Uh, I trust no one. Well, that is a bit of a shame. Perhaps when you meet yourself, then you can find out that part of yourself as well. So if you would please return to your cell, pack up your few things, and why don't you exit? And when you have met yourself, please do come back and tell me what you have found. I will, Master. Very good luck, and I hope to see you again soon, Noan. Farewell. And he holds out his hand palm up for you to place your palm on him. So a scant couple of hours later, you find yourself in the courtyard of the monastery with the bundle of the few things that you own and a little bit of food. And uh, you know from watching the other students that when they've graduated, that they have uh, gone down this long tunnel and you have never seen them again. The tunnel is dark, very dark. But of course, that's not much of an impediment for you. And you uh, get to the end of it, and you find a pair of large bronze doors. And on each side of the doors, the right side and the left side, are a pair of what look like handprints, imprints, pressed into the door itself. 
There's no obvious knockers and no locks, no mechanisms. What do you do? I put each hand on the doors and I push them open. They seem firmly stuck. Are you trying the right side, the left side, both sides? What are you doing? Both sides. Okay, well, um, you can fit your hand into one or the other impressions, but it doesn't seem to make a difference. You, no matter if you try right, left, both at once, um, they seem to be completely stuck. I knock. Aside of a nice uh, hollow gonging sound from the bronze valves, nothing happens. Only a perception check. Twelve. You begin to hear sounds of footsteps coming quickly up behind you. I spin and look behind me. You know, you find um, another uh, monk, Adri, coming up behind you in a bit of a hurry. You notice that she also has a bundle of uh, stuff across her back. With a deep sigh, I recognize Adri. Hello, Adri. Hello, Nuan. And what brings you here? Um, no particular reason. Just on my way. On your way where? Not sure yet. I grunt. And in my mind I curse my master. For surely he has brought this plague upon me. Then shall we leave? Yes, looks like it needs two hands. Your hand in the right, my hand in the left. So there are two handprints on each door. So you could fit your hands into those. Mm -hmm. You're going to go on the right and her on the left? Mm -hmm. Yes. So when you actually both have your hands inside the handprints, it's as if they're suddenly glued to the doors themselves. And all of a sudden, your hands start feeling hot. And then painfully hot. And it feels like your arms up to your forearms are just engulfed in flames. There's nothing that you can see, no glow, no anything. But you just feel this searing pain. And uh, then all of a sudden, with an almost inaudible click, the doors open and your hands come free from the doors. Step through. So the tunnel goes on for at least another quarter mile. And you finally find yourselves walking out into the sunlight. And then you notice that on the inside of both of your forearms, burnt into the flesh, are two symbols. On one side is a dragon, and on the other side is a griffin. And you look out over the mountain ridges that you're on, and you can see the uh, smoke of a town far below you in the forest below. I make my way towards the, uh, the smoke. I follow close behind. Harlan. Okay, so the scene opens with you in your family farm. Your father's called you into the kitchen um, which is unusual because normally at this time of day you're supposed to be out slopping the pigs and beating and threshing the grain and all the usual stuff that goes on around a family farm. Mm-hmm. But he has you come in and sit down. He says, my boy, 
Never thought I'd ever be saying this. Never in my time. I think if my grandpappy could see me now and roll over in his grave. But I'm gonna have to ask you to do something I never ever thought I'd ever have to do. I'm gonna have to ask you to find employment elsewhere, to find a job, to leave, to go somewhere. Why? Well, things have been getting worse and worse. You know things have been getting worse and worse. Yeah. I mean, the flock was attacked by wolves the other day. These mists have been coming down from the mountains. Been making things cool. The crops haven't been ripening. Uh, you know, your, your two older sisters, they're, uh, they're looking maybe to marry off and move to uh, another farm or maybe to the big city. Well, more power to them. But you, you got four older brothers. And you'll they'll all be taking a piece of the farm when they get older. But, you know, you're the youngest. And, well, I just don't think there'll be much of a farm left to give to you when my time goes and I pass and your mother leaves. I think, well, I think you might have a better time in the city. I hear there are jobs in Lowford. I hear you might be able to find employment there. You're a big lad. You know how to handle livestock. You know how to raise crops. You should be able to find a good job there. Maybe in one of the stores or maybe working for the inn or something. Yes, sir. I, I, I think I know what you mean. I'll, I'll head up there two weeks' time. Very good. Well, my, your mother and I have scraped together a little bit of coin and uh, maybe get you on your way. Um, you're going to write and tell us, though, right? Yeah. But like I said, with these darn mists coming out of the mountains... Um, everything's going wrong, you know? We can barely scrape enough food together for us. And he bundles your stuff together and pats you on the back and heads you out the door. Gwenneville. Okay, so the scene opens up with you being called into the office of the trader who you've been working as a mercenary for for some time. Um, you don't know why he called you in, but he, you know, just summoned you one day. So you open the door and he's sitting behind his desk. Close the door and stand quietly said you wanted to see me? Yes, yes. Um, well, I guess there's no good way to put this. Um, we're gonna have to make some changes around here. You know, uh, the roads have not been as passable as they have been. Like, well, that's why we hired you to begin with. Um, but uh, things have taken a real turn for the worse lately. Um, well, I guess there's no real way to put it other than we're gonna have to let you go. We're gonna have to let you seek your fortune elsewhere. We're we're cutting back all over. Um, things have just been going downhill rapidly all over the place. Um, isn't that I, I've heard, though, that in Lowford, um, they're looking for militia, so you might be able to find employment there. Not really interested in joining an army, but I'll take that under advisement. I thought you hired me to be a guard. You know? I did, but, well, we we're only running one of three caravans now. Trade has gotten really bad. And uh, so, well, here's, here's a, little, uh, a little pocket money, and he hands you a, about ten silver pieces. And, uh, and here's a letter recommendation. Anybody who reads this in low forward will uh, instantly know that you've done a great job for us. All right. 
Well, I guess I don't have much of a choice here. I appreciate you giving me a chance. I really haven't had much luck with work since Gillen passed. Well, I do feel bad about it. You've been one of my best guards, and uh, you've been really pleased with what you've done. But like I said, I think there may be a better life for you there in Lowford. Uh, All right. Best of luck to you. And he reaches across and shakes your hand. Pull my cowl over my badly scarred head and walk out. Okay, Alistair, your scene opens up in the monastery. You are in the Grand Cathedral, and it is an auspicious day. This is your graduation day. Your many years of devotional practice, study have all paid off. You find yourself at the back of the cathedral, striding forwards. The abbot's at the front, dressed in his best attire. All of your instructors are there, all of your fellow students are there, and uh, your armor gleams in the lamplight, and you stride forward to the front to kneel before the abbot. He takes both of your hands in his and gazes fondly down at you. My son, the day is finally here where you have completed your training, where you've learned what you must learn when you have found out what you must find out. And now it is time for you to join the great wide world, to go and help the poor and the weak and the sick. Do you accept this charge? I do. Very good, then. And it is well to be so. I have this missive here. And he holds out a piece of parchment from the friar in Lowford. They are much beset upon. These vapors from the mountains that we have seen here that have caused our gardens to stunt. They are even more poorly set. And they need as much help as they can get. Perhaps even just your sword and stout shield will be an asset to the friar. Journey there, my son, and be of what assistance you can be. Now go, and go with the blessings of our entire religion upon you. And do your best to help the sick and the weak. I will. So you stride purposefully out of the cathedral, back to your little cell for the very last time, and gather your equipment. The next morning, hours before dawn, the cart heads out with you in the back. You jostle along, rattling back and forth over the uh, roads as you take the high road through uh, Niger Saltus. Uh, you're used to these humble beginnings being in the uh, friary for so long. And in the evening, you end up camping with your uh, carter in a little wayside chapel on the edge of the forest. The next day, you find yourself coming to the very walls of Cedavitas Cataracta, the waterfall city. Unfortunately, it's a little uh, anticlimactic as you're getting there um, well about an hour after dark. So even though it, you can see it's massive, you can't really see too much as the cart you know, winds its way through the streets to the far side. And uh, you're placed in, in the uh, cell there in the uh, Grand Cathedral in Civitas Cataracta. And the next morning, once again, before dawn even breaks, you're on the road, this time on foot, heading out 
and going down, downhill to Lowford. And you find yourself in late afternoon arriving in town. And after the grand edifice of C.V. Cataracta, Lowford's almost a little disappointing. It's more a collection of houses and farms than any sort of a true village. And after a short time, you find yourselves at the uh, door to the friar's house. Knock. There's no answer. And all the windows are dark. Is the door locked? No, in fact, uh, there's only a simple drawstring. It's as if the friar himself needs no lock in this town. Open the door to check inside. You open the door, and the house is cold. There is no uh, sign of life from the hearth. Uh, everything is in order, but uh, it looks like no one's been here for days. He's not here! You hear a voice from behind you. Who's that? You turn around and there's a small boy. He's not here. He hasn't been here for days. You're sure? Oh, yes. Uh, he, he left a little while ago. He does that often, though. He's always about and helping everybody. There's you know, folks to be healed, and there's uh, injuries to be mended, folks getting married. Uh, you know, he's usually gone for two or three days at a time. Thank you, then I guess I'll have to wait around a bit. Is there any other place where he might just show up? Well, they are recruiting for militia there at the town hall. You uh, might find him there. Perhaps he's helping out. Well, I'll wait for him and lend my sword and shield, I guess. And I'll go to the town hall. I think everybody over 30 got the Easter egg in this episode. When the monks left their monastery, it uh, harkened back to the opening scenes in the old television series Kung Fu, where David Carradine's character picked up a blazing cauldron of coals with his forearms, thus burning the monks' symbols of the dragon and the tiger into his forearms. As for the motley crew of characters we have, you've probably already gotten the idea that there's a little bit going on in their backstories that they're not telling us about. That might come in uh, to play down the road a bit. We will just see in the next episode. Until then, email us at relicofthepastpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us at Relic of the Past on Twitter and Relic of the Past Podcast on Facebook. And thank you for playing in the world that lives inside my head.